So maybe a first question would be, give us a state of just your tribes. Madison has just been designated in December, Truax Field, as the home of F-35A. Doctor, can you start? Give us an overview. On March 5th of this year, Major General Paulie Knapp was named commander of the Wisconsin National Guard. Exactly one week later, Governor Tony Evers de uh, issued a public emergency declaration for COVID. So the Wisconsin National Guard has had an amazing year. So it's a great time for a year-end newsmakers with Major General Paulie Knapp. General, thanks for uh, coming back to Wisconsin. I appreciate it, sir. It's a pleasure, Steve, to be here and talk to you again uh, in December. Well, uh, the shorthand for the Guard is often weekend warriors, but uh, is it fair to say this this year, you guys, you and your Guards members have been COVID warriors, sir? Is that overstating it? No, not at all. I would say that, uh, if anything, we might be understating it. Uh, 2020 okay. has really been the year of the Guard. Uh, not just here in Wisconsin, but across the, the nation in terms of our response to uh, the COVID pandemic. When I look up the state stats, sir, as of yesterday, 2.751 tests conducted in Wisconsin and the latest release from your agency, 980,000 of them were conducted by guard members, 36%. So tell me how you acclimated guard members, trained them and staffed them to do 900 and let me get the number right, 980,000 tests, sir. Definitely, we're, we're rapidly approaching a million tests administered by the National Guard over the course of the pandemic. Uh, and the way we did that is we approached it like any other military operation. We uh, planned for it in advance. We shared information across other Guard units and other states in terms of best practices. Uh, and then we, we uh, got our logistics uh, planners. We work hand in hand with uh, Department of Health Services and the governor's staff. Uh, and we figured out the best way to get our COVID testing mechanisms set up. And I can tell you that we have evolved greatly over the course of the year. When we first started, we were doing uh, approximately 250 to 300 tests a day for a 25 to 30 person team. And today we're doing that same amount or even more with a seven to nine person team. So the efficiencies that we've gained and the lessons learned over the course of the pandemic have really paid great dividends. Well, how, how long a training program did each guard member who was uh, trained to, to um, conduct a COVID test have to undergo, sir? Well, it took us uh, a while to actually uh, develop and perfect the actual training program, but really we can get the training done for a guard member uh, in one or two days uh, in terms of how to set up the traffic flow and the signage, uh, and then the actual training on how to do the swabbing for a certain number of the service members. Initially, we only had our medical personnel doing that swabbing mission. Uh, later on, we expanded it a little bit, but we pretty much have kept to uh, our medically trained staff that were doing the swabbing for the most part. Well, were guard members um, stationed in a way that they were testing their neighbors, the, these regional centers? Were, were they actually administering tests to, the, to, to, to their neighbors, sir? 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of our core missions in the National Guard is to come to the aid of our fellow Wisconsin uh, residents, our neighbors and our friends. And that's a perfect example, uh, both in the COVID response and then again in the WEC missions. Uh, there are many instances where uh, the uh, service members, the soldiers and airmen were actually testing literally in their own backyards. Oh, wow. That's that's incredible. Um, well, I, ha I have to ask you, um, uh, how many guard members uh, tragically suffered COVID? And I understand there were no deaths and we're all grateful, but what was the infection rate uh, among guard members, sir? So the, we did have a number of uh, service members contract COVID uh, over the course of the pandemic. Uh, the numbers were fairly uh, in line with uh, some other demographics. Um, I, I'm, we don't talk about the specific number, but it was uh, well under 10% across the board. And the, actually the vast majority of those were uh, soldiers and airmen who weren't actively involved in the COVID mission. The number of uh, soldiers and airmen who contracted COVID uh, on, while on mission uh, in the testing sites or the alternate care facility or the other things was actually very small. Uh, almost, uh, you know, almost too hard to measure by itself. But the across the 10,000 uh, guards members in the state, uh, that's the number that we have. Uh, and it was uh, um, well under 10%. Well, give me a demographic profile of the guard. Um, is it is it uh, more men than women? And uh, 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 is there an age profile? 30, 32 to 45, what, what's a general demographic profile of guard members, sir? So uh, I don't have the actual statistics in front of me to give you okay. the overall demographic, but what you picture is probably fairly accurate. You know, you have a uh, someone, a, a lot of our, of our uh, soldiers and airmen are very young, right out of high school, uh, many are college students, uh, all the way on up to what you would consider normal retirement age for our folks that are full-time uh, uh, guard, as well as uh, traditional, uh, what you would call uh, uh, serving a weekend uh, in two weeks a year, uh, weekend a month and two weeks a year. So really we have the full spectrum uh, of society from 18 years all the way up to early 60s. Well, if I'm a guard member, I've spent a lot of time doing COVID tests. Um, am I on active duty when, I, when I'm giving a COVID test? Uh, question one. Question two, I've spent a lot of hours. So what's my relationship with my employer? Do they have to, hope, uh, have to hold those jobs for me? Uh, yes. In fact, uh, when uh, soldiers and airmen are called to uh, service, uh, they do have uh, reemployment rights uh, here in the state. Uh, that said, uh, my hat's off to the uh, the employers uh, in the state, as well as the the family members of our of our service uh, members themselves. The support has just been overwhelming uh, in terms of of allowing those service members to get out there and basically administer, administer tests to their neighbors and friends uh, and help keep Wisconsin safe. Uh, but we also I also realize at the same time it has been very difficult for many. Uh, businesses, in particular those small businesses. A lot of our service members, many of them actually are uh, self-employed. Uh, and when they have to leave that that uh, role to uh, go on orders, 
then it can greatly impact their self-employment or the their employer in a small business setting. So uh, it hasn't been easy for anyone. Uh, it's been a heavy lift for both the service members, their uh, employers, and then of course their families as well. Uh, and the other part of your question was, are they on active duty? So uh, largely throughout the course of the pandemic, uh, our service members have been in what's called Title 32 federal status. So what that means is yes, they're on a federal active status, but Title 32 allows them to remain under the control of the governor. So those uh, soldiers and airmen were funded by the federal government, but they're still in our state under the control of the government serving our state. And I'm just curious, um, how are they compensated when they're, when they're giving out COVID tests? Are, are they just giving their normal, uh, getting their normal guard pay or is there some other compensation? Actually, that's a good, that's a great question. They're getting their normal um, active full-time pay. So when you're on active orders, it's the standard federal pay chart and allowances. Uh, when they go beyond 30 days at a time, then they also get additional allowances for uh, housing allowance uh, and um, subsistence allowance. Uh, and then they also accumulate education benefits as well when they're on federal orders and go beyond that 30-day mark. Let's talk about funding. Was, were, were the costs of the COVID-19 testing by Guard members, sir, were they picked up 100% by the feds, but now it's 75% feds and 25% state? And when did that shift occur? That occurred in, so from April 12th until August, let's see, what is the date? I've got it here somewhere to August 22nd. It was 100% what we call uh, federal cost share. So the federal government picked up 100% of that cost. After August 22nd, that shifted uh, across uh, across the United States and the vast majority of the uh, guard <laughs> states using the guard for, to a 75-25. Uh, so then the state had to pick up that 25% of the costs. Uh, the great thing about that is we were, the states were allowed to use their coronavirus relief funds to cover that 25%. So as long as we had some of those COVID or the, um, the CARES Act funding available, uh, then that 25% that cost share was also covered. Well, what's the impact then on the Guard's budget going forward? Because you just had to submit a 21-23 biennial budget to Governor Evers. Uh, is your budget exploding as a result of these extraordinary costs, General? Well, fortunately, um, based on that federal support, uh, both in the Title 32 orders and the CARES Act funding covering the cost share, uh, we've been able to maintain our budget along with other, uh, um, other uh, agencies across the state. Uh, that, that funding, of course, it hasn't covered everything. Uh, and as you know, we've, uh, like other agencies, we've had to, we've experienced lapse in our budget uh, during this current biennium. Uh, and then the governor has asked us uh, to greatly limit our new initiatives going forward. Uh, but I'm confident that we'll be able to accomplish our mission going forward uh, using the projected numbers. Do you have an understanding, Congress as we speak is gonna vote on the new COVID-19 aid package. Is that going to include uh, funding for guards across the nation, sir? Do you know? Well, I, I don't know the, the specifics that it will uh, be, uh, as it'll be applied to the National Guard, but I 
anticipate that that same uh, CARES Act funding, especially if the current year funding is extended into the new year, that we'll still be able to use that funding uh, to cover part of the cost share for the state. Well, uh, Guard members are closing in on a million COVID tests, but that's not all they've done. Uh, Let's go back to, didn't they have to, when there were cruise ship residents of Wisconsin, didn't they have to bring those cruise ship of residents of Wisconsin back to the state? Talk about some of the other ways that Guard members have been affected by COVID safety protocols. Definitely, so that was how it all kicked off. You kind of mentioned March 5th, and then I think it was on the 12th or the 13th that we received the first uh, Wisconsinites back from that cruise ship uh, off of the coast of California, which made all of the national news. It was the first big impact. Uh, And when those cruise ship passengers arrived back in Wisconsin, it was National Guard soldiers and airmen that, uh, that we received them, we screened them, uh, and then we were we transported all of them to their uh, to their homes uh, across the state of Wisconsin. And then we, you know, in the early on, then what we did is then we passed uh, them off, so to speak, to their local health departments to monitor them uh, throughout either their quarantine or isolation if they actually had COVID. Did uh, guard members do any contract tra- tracing, General? We did not. Uh, in this state, I know in other states they did. Uh, for us, we we did some of the other things that we did uh, in kind of relation to that is we had a call center set up here, and so of those uh, those nearly a million tests, uh, the majority of the calls to the individuals who were tested were accomplished by a National Guard staffed call center, which we just recently, due to technology advances. Uh, in the testing system, we're able to just recently end that mission uh, and redeploy those soldiers and airmen uh, to to other missions across the state. Well, now that we're shifting into the delivery and as I think the uh, Surgeon General said, putting shots in the arms, Mm -hmm. what is the new role of Guard members as we roll out the vaccines, sir? So right now, um, our, our, low, our role is limited. Right now, we are uh, assisting with uh, logistics planning. And we're also, uh, we also have guard members out there on regional stockpile management teams. Okay. So there are regional stockpiles uh, being built up as we speak. There are uh, vaccines arriving in the state. Uh, and uh, the, the, of those stockpile locations that had the capability for that ultra-cold storage, um, a handful of them were, were not at major hospital systems, and so they uh, needed assistance with the management uh, and distribution of those uh, vaccine assets. So right now we have uh, just over 20 uh, service members directly involved in those stockpile management teams, uh, and we're preparing uh, and training our folks to also do uh, transportation uh, in the way of uh, transportation teams. So as we get more vaccines coming into the state, you know, right now uh, the number is very limited, uh, which is allowing us to uh, to learn as we go, like we've been doing during this entire pandemic. Uh, and what, and uh, when when we start getting hundreds of thousands of tests a week, it's a huge uh, effort to get those all where they need to go in order to get shots in arms. Well, when I listen to the governor's briefings on COVID. Here's what he and Secretary Palm say. The first uh, first to get the vaccines, 400,000 healthcare workers. Then we have 47,000 residents and staff in skilled nursing facilities. 
Here's my question. Are your guard members now getting vaccinations, sir? They, they are. And, uh, and, you know, we have no role in the actual prioritization of who gets them when. Uh, however, we have uh, that first group of 1As, if you will, healthcare providers. That also includes uh, emergency medical services uh, and uh, our folks that are on the front line actually doing the COVID testing, the swabbing, et cetera. Those folks would be included in that group. Uh, we did just receive good news this week that we, Wisconsin was selected as one of 13 states to do a pilot program through the National Guard Bureau. Uh, and so those soldiers and airmen that are on Title 32, we are actually going to get an additional uh, allocation of the Moderna vaccine any day now. Uh, so we'll be able to vaccinate those soldiers and airmen without dipping into the state's inventory of vaccine. So very, very excited about that. That's kind of a little extra bonus for us here in the state. Let's look ahead to 2021. It's only days away. How do you see the Guard's mission in terms of COVID look out over the next four to six or nine months, sir? Sure. So over the next uh, the next month or two, uh, I don't see a lot of change. I see us continuing our uh, COVID testing mission, which is ongoing. Uh, as of the first of the year, we'll have 66 different locations that will service around the state in terms of COVID testing. Uh, and then, uh, and then I see us ramping up our participation in the vaccine delivery support, uh, whether that uh, stays in a regional management and uh, delivery distribution logistics role uh, or potentially uh, into a more hands-on vaccination role. Do you see your medical uh, unit officers actually providing vaccinations? So uh, great news we just received this weekend. So HHS, the National Health and Human Services, uh, just granted Department of Defense basically permission so that any uh, active Title 32, Title 10 soldier or airman who is a medical professional who already is qualified on the DOD side to administer vaccines now is is allowed and permitted to, uh, to administer those to the general public. Prior to that, uh, that national permission or waiver, if you will, uh, we would only have been able to use our vaccinators for service members. Uh, and then it's it's kind of a complicated process. Uh, it could be done state by state, but it was uh, a really good idea to do it as, as a country uh, writ large, now allowing DOD to participate as vaccinators. We've covered the, uh, we've covered the role of guard members uh, with COVID-19, but guard members also helped administer four statewide elections. Was that part of your budget plan? I mean, was that part of what you thought uh, when 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 you became general on March five, you, you your guard members would be doing? No, uh, no. I mean, the simple answer is no. I had no idea, and really, no one else did. In fact, uh, our participation in the April uh, uh, primary for the general election was the first time that we know of uh, that guard soldiers and airmen uh, have been used at polling places in the country, uh, and so we received a lot of scrutiny. Uh, there was a lot of legal research done to make sure that we were doing it the right way uh, and that it was uh, appropriate. Uh, and the great thing is Wisconsin statute provides for uh, state employees uh, being you know, on a payday basically at while assisting with the polls. And so uh, what we put our soldiers and airmen, they were on a state active duty status. 
They were not on a federal active status because that would have put us in a different category. But having them in a state active duty status allowed us to offer that support to Wisconsin to make sure that we had uh, a fair and open primary in that case election and then the other uh, elections going forward. So let me get this straight. Soldiers and airmen of the guard would on a Monday be giving a COVID test and then on a Tuesday election day be helping administer the election. Do I have that right? Well, I think, yes, that could have happened for sure. We, we tried to minimize the, the uh, crossover. We tried to tap into other areas. And, and it, was a, it was a real challenge. And my hat's off to the Wisconsin Election Commission and uh, Brigadier General Blader here uh, on my staff, who what they had to do is they had to actually look at where each of these soldiers and airmen, where their county of residence was, because we wanted to match up the county that they lived in so they literally were helping out their their neighbors and their friends but according it it simplifies it is in terms of state statute uh when you're in your home county then you're eligible to be a poll worker uh if you're working outside of your home county it's possible but there's more paperwork involved and it's a more difficult process so we did that by exception uh, but the vast majority, we we had to put this puzzle together where we had to know where everyone's home of residence was and then match that up with the Wisconsin Election Commission needs in those counties. Well, um, the Guard members played a huge role in COVID. They administered elections. But when I go through the press releases from, from the Guard, you've also sent some of your uh, soldiers on de- deployment. So... You, you actually had two or three different deployments to to some potentially dangerous areas, correct? Can you Definitely. talk about that? Definitely. During all of this, our federal mission uh, hasn't stopped. Uh, and so we have both deployed uh, and had soldiers uh, redeploy or return home from overseas federal missions all over the world uh, in uh, dozens of different countries. We currently have uh, soldiers and airmen serving overseas uh, in those roles. We have some preparing to leave, and that didn't stop during COVID. So, uh, yeah, it was, there are a lot of moving parts, uh, and we we uh, definitely have tapped all aspects of our force in order to meet all the requirements in 2020. Well, given all that happened in 2020, is this going to help or hurt the guard efforts to re recruit, sir? So that, that's a great question, and uh, and it is a, a concern of mine uh, and of and of my uh, uh, fellow commanders and staff uh, is what what will the effect be on recruiting? And we really won't know for a while. But one of the things I think is a real benefit so far, we have not seen a decrease. I guess that's the the good news. Uh, we don't know how what the long term effect of this type of operations tempo will be. Uh, but what one of the things I really think is that has been a benefit of our role in 2020 is the exposure that we've had out there in the community across Wisconsin. I really think uh, largely it's been positive. uh, And I think if anybody didn't know what the National Guard did or what their purpose was or whether or not they knew that we even had a National Guard, I think there are very few people in Wisconsin who don't know what we do and when we do it in the National Guard. And and I think we've, uh, we've done a great job of outreach to the communities. Uh, I'm so proud of the the uh, all the soldiers and airmen across the state and how well they've performed under extreme stress. 
And I think that in terms of recruiting, there are going to be a lot of folks out there who are going to be want, going to want to be part of this team. Uh, and we'd be excited to have them. Well, um, COVID response and election response and de- deployments, but the Guard was also activated for some of these protests, Kenosha, Milwaukee, and Madison. Did you see that one coming, sir? <laughs> Again, no. Uh, <laughs> simple answer. I did know before I started that we were going to, that Milwaukee was hosting the DNC, uh, which we were preparing for. Uh, and actually, uh, in terms of our response to civil disturbance, our preparations for DNC over the prior 18 months uh, as a state uh, actually did help us in those uh, relationships and communication between agencies that we had built up over the prior year prepping for DNC uh, and then going into a sort of civil disturbance, many of those relationships were already in place uh, that we needed to exercise during the, the civil unrest. And, you know, during that time frame, uh, again, very proud of uh, how the, all the soldiers and airmen conducted themselves, because as I told them, uh, our number one mission when the National Guard gets involved in something like that is public safety uh, and life safety. Uh, we are out there just trying to keep our neighbors and our friends safe. Uh, everyone's entitled to their opinion, uh, and we worked very hard to make sure that um, that the people who wanted to express their First Amendment rights got the chance to do that in a safe environment. Well, um, the Guard has had so many challenges this year, a pr- probably historical number of challenges. Uh, uh, in some ways, these are stress tests. So here's my question. Could the Guard have another action-packed year in 2021 like it did in 2020, General? Well, I I wish I could say no to that answer, uh, to that question, but, uh, you know, we're prepared for whatever 2021 will hold. Uh, we know it's not going to ramp down immediately. We're so excited about the vaccine uh, and the potential that that brings for us to to get our operations back to, to uh, you know, I'll put air quotes around normal. Uh, but, you know, we, we do hope that that happens sooner than later. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, the Wisconsin National Guard is ready to do whatever it needs to do in support of our neighbors and friends in the state. Well, I want to respect your time. So maybe just one final question. And you just kind of alluded to it. You must be, as commander, extremely proud of your airmen and soldiers for all they've done in 2020, General, right? I am. I I mean, I can't say it enough how proud I am, uh, how big of an honor it is for me to to serve alongside all of those great Americans and Wisconsinites who have sacrificed so much uh, over the course of the last year uh, to be there when their state and their nation has called. Congratulations, General, on uh, all the Guard has done. Thank you so much, much. Uh, Major General Paul Knapp, for recounting the amazing year that the Wisconsin National Guard has had. Thank you, sir. Congratulations. Thank you for your service and all your Guard members. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Good luck. Thank you. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civic broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol.